This is the fourth Sunday of the month, um, and um, for those who are new here, the fourth Sunday of the month um, I call, is what I call a low-maintenance Sunday, so I don't put as much time into preparation, it gives me more time to work. Um, so, um, yeah, so my plan has always been with a low-maintenance Sunday to, to mainly have just a Bible reading with a really short message to go with it. Um, so far I've failed in that, and um, today is another failure. Because um, just as I start looking at God's word, it, 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 God's just opened it up, and, and there's yeah some stuff I want to share today. It's going to be yeah, hopefully good quiz. Um, so today, as Heather's already shared, we're up to the parable of the weeds. So what we're going to do is we're going to read read through some, some of this as we did. I put the whole reading there up first up or not? No, I didn't. No, okay. Let's, what we're going to do is we're going to read through some of it and then just a little bit of explanation as we go. So, parable of the weeds. If you've got your Bibles, open up your Bibles. It'll be really good to refer to them as we go. I've been using the um, English Standard Version, but any version will be fine. Okay, so Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 52. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? You mean pull them up. He said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. But let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, we're going to come to the explanation of that a little bit later. Reading from verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air came and make, sorry, come and make their nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. You know, an amazing thing is when Jesus said about building his kingdom, he gathered nobodies and not many of them. Yeah, we, we read the Bible sometimes and we think Jesus had thousands of followers because we hear stories about the feeding of the 5,000 and and so on. And yep, there were times when there were thousands of people came along, but really they're coming along for a bit of a look or coming along for a bit of a feed to see what they could get out of it. But they didn't stick by him and they didn't stay with him. Most of them deserted him. And so by the time Jesus was crucified, there was only a few men and a few women there at the foot of the cross. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, we find all of his disciples gathered together and they all fitted in one room. It'd be like, Okay, this room being full of people, right, that's it. That's all there were. 
Because out of the thousands who began to follow him, nearly everybody fell away. And last week we studied the parable of, of the sower and we see how that happens. Um, not everyone who starts out with Christ will finish with Christ. Um, a lot of people start to follow but as soon as some persecutions or tough times come upon them, as soon as there's something to test their faith, they, they just fall away. Don't need to follow Jesus. And other people, they get choked out by the weeds. That is, the, 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 they start out with Jesus, but then they're attracted too much to, to money or to cares of the world, and so they drop away as well. And so the early church began as this small, insignificant blip on history's screen. Just imagine, a room this size, full of people, was it, or less. But just like when you put a tiny little bit of yeast that you can't even see into a batch of dough, split it up into three batches of dough, Um, or just like when you plant a seed, it grows up into a big plant. That's what happened with the church. This early church changed the whole character of the whole world. And these few men and women who were Jesus' disciples carried the good news of the gospel all over the known world and the kingdom of God grew. And today there are more people who call themselves Christian than any other religion on the face of the earth. And most of the developed world has been founded on Christian principles and values and and it's been written into their constitutions and been written into the laws of their land and they have their basis on the laws of God. Don't ever think to yourself that that Christians have been insignificant in the world. Don't, Don't ever think to yourself that Christians have no effect on the world because that's how the kingdom of God is. It has a life of its own. It starts out small, but it radiates out. And even you and I affect the world in which we live. So, let's go on. Verse 34. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Okay? Everyone know what a parable is? Parable, I was taught when I was a kid, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay? It's just a story which, we, which has a, a, a heavenly meaning to it. He said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfil what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Now we talked about this last week when Jesus told the parable of the sower. And something I said there was, we all, usually today when we tell stories, like I tell stories reasonably often in the, as, I, as I preach, and the reason I tell stories is to try and help everybody to understand what God is saying to us. But the strange thing is Jesus told parables for exactly the opposite reason. Jesus told parables so not everybody would understand. And it's only those who are truly seeking God who are going to dig deeper and think about these parables and pray about them and talk to other Christians about them and who are truly seeking God, it's only them who are going to get it. And that's what happened here again. Jesus told a parable of the weeds and the disciples didn't get it. I don't think anybody got it. 
But the disciples were the only ones there who were truly seeking God and so they are the ones who came to Jesus and said, can you explain it to us? We know this is important. What does it mean? So I'm going to read to you again the parable of the weeds and then we'll have the explanation, all right? So just get it fresh in your mind. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping... His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. He'd be a nice chap, wouldn't he? Anyone who's been a farmer and knows how much trouble it is to get weeds out, imagine somebody, we have enough trouble without people coming along and spreading more weeds. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to them, said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And now the explanation. Now, to understand it, we have to realise this is a different parable to what we had last week. It has a different purpose to what we had last week. Last week we studied the parable of the sower. And sometimes when we look at these parables, we think that that they're similar parables, similar situations, and so we start mixing them up. Don't do that. This is a separate parable with a separate meaning. So here's the meaning, reading from verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went to the house and the disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Verse 37, he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth Then the righteous will shine like the sun in heaven in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And as Christians, that's the message that we have to take out into the world. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Be forgiven and be transformed into a new creation of God. But the thing is, for most people today, if you were to go up to them and say to them, Christ died for you to save you, how much do they care? Care factor zero. Is that about right? Save me from what? She's all good. I'm pretty happy with the way things are. Now here's a couple of little stories. 
If you were in an aircraft and someone in that plane hurriedly came up to you and said, there's a parachute under your seat, put it on, because these parachutes, they save you from the consequences of falling from a very large height. So what? I'm in a plane. I'm happy, I'm content, I've, I've, got, I've got a little movie screen in front of me, she's all good. But what if that person came to you and said, excuse me sir, both engines on the aeroplane have just cut out, the aircraft is going to crash and everybody in it is going to die. But you still have time to put the parachute on that's under your seat. And you still have time to get to the emergency exit and jump out of it and that parachute is going to save you. All of a sudden, irrelevant news, all of a sudden is, hey, that's good news, yeah? Until I understand the bad news of my predicament, the good news just doesn't seem that good. It's just irrelevant. Once again, second little story. Imagine you at the doctor's surgery. He's telling you about this wonderful new medication that... that it, that the travelling salesman's just come and given him, and, and he's telling you about how wonderful it is and all the things that it can do. So what? Who cares? Why, why is this doctor telling me this? I don't care. But how different would it be if the doctor had just told you some really bad news? Michael, you've got this incurable, you've got this horrible disease, and you're going to find it terribly de- debilitating. It eats your flesh away. It's going to be painful and depressing and, and you're going to die after a few long months of very horrible suffering and anguish. But I actually have here a, a new medication that's just come out on the market that just cures you completely. Or you just take one tablet and you're better. Until I understand the bad news of my predicament, the good news just doesn't seem that good. And it's exactly the same with the good news of Jesus Christ. It is very politically incorrect to talk about hell and judgment today. We are in a world that really values political correctness and, and well, we don't like that because you're just trying to make us feel bad. And yet we still have questions like the age-old question, why do the wicked prosper? Why doesn't God do something to those horrible people? Why does God allow sin to continue in the world unpunished? And I'll tell you the answer to that. It's because God is slow to anger. That's why God hasn't yet come, come and put a stop to everything. God is giving us time to turn to him and repent. <coughs> Has anybody here ever boiled over a saucepan? Maybe a saucepan full of milk or something? Anybody who's done any cooking really has. You can see Alex doesn't do any cooking at home. <laughs> now, what you do is you put the saucepan on and you have, have the heat going into it. And while it's simmering, everything's good, hey? Right? But all of a sudden, it just gets that little bit too hot and it boils over and everything goes everywhere. Yeah? Heather's... Heather knows all about this. Especially if it's milk. Especially if it's milk, that's right, Roy. Today, God's anger is slowly simmering. It's slowly simmering. If you want to know about that, read the book of Romans. And you'll hear about how God's anger is slowly simmering. You know how when you... Like at the moment in Australia, we've got the the inquiry into um, abuse of children in institutions and so on. And whenever I hear about that, and I bet you're the same, you have a slow, simmering anger. Why? 
Why does this stuff happen? Why has that been allowed to happen? Do you think God is happy about that? No. God has this same simmering anger. Same simmering anger. But there is coming a day, and it's called in the Bible the day of the Lord, when that anger will boil over. When God will not delay his vengeance any longer. He will not tolerate sin anymore. And this parable is a warning about what side are we going to be on when Jesus Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. So, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Now, this is where it's important for us not to get it confused with last week's parable. The field is not referring to the church. The field is referring to the world. There is no room ever for wickedness in the church. If the devil ever gets into the church, he must be rooted out. But some people read this parable that we've got today and apply it to the church and say, oh, yeah, well, the Bible tells us to let the weeds grow and, um, and God will take care of things. So we don't have to worry about false teachers. We don't have to worry about any of that. God will take care of it at the end. No, that's the wrong way to look at this. This parable is talking about the world. It's not talking about the church. And it explains why in the world there is good and there is evil. There are Christians, sons of the kingdom... And there are the weeds. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Now, this we have to get very clear. In Jesus' eyes, there are no shades of grey. I said this last week or the week before. There are no shades of grey. We live in a world that loves grey. Black and white. Oh, Michael, you just see things in black and white. Well, that's the way because that's the way it is with God. There are no shades of grey. Only moments earlier, I think it was the very same day, Jesus said, whoever is not for me, sorry, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. You're either for Christ or against Christ. You're either a crop or a weed. There is no neutral territory. You're either a son of the kingdom, a disciple of Jesus Christ, or a son of the evil one. Now that's pretty confronting, isn't it? If I were to tell that to somebody down the street, they'd just say, Michael, you are just so judgmental. They'd probably tell you that, that your idea of Christianity was very exclusive and nothing at all like their idea of Christianity. Well, get this. It is... In the eyes of Jesus Christ, very exclusive. And Jesus is the only one who counts. You're either a disciple of Christ or you're a child of the devil. Now, that is confronting. That is very confronting. Most people in our society today like to view themselves as being on the good side of neutral. Would that be a fair assessment? Most people think, yep, I'm on the good side of neutral. There is no neutral. That's the problem. There is no neutral. If you are not a Christian, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord, 
If you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, then guess who you belong to? You belong to the devil. That's just the way it is. And I'm sorry if I've offended you, but I would rather offend you and help you to understand why the good news of the gospel is so very good than to to let you feel comfortable and unchallenged and completely oblivious to your predicament. So reading on. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay. What's the predicament? If you are not a Christian, if you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a son of the devil. That is the predicament. And the predicament is all causes of sin, all lawbreakers will be thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By now you know about me that I preach my way through a whole whole book of the Bible. And I do this for a very good reason. It means I share with you topics as often as what it's important to God for it to be shared. Right? It's very easy for me to get on a hobby horse. And some churches you'll go to, you'll get a hellfire and brimstone sermon every single Sunday. Some churches you go to, you'll never hear a hellfire and brimstone message. Now, it's very dangerous for us to get hooked into, into our hobby horses. And that's why I work my way through the Bible. And today, we just cannot help but be confronted that hell is actually a real place. And it has to be real because the Lord our God is a God of justice and justice requires punishment. Our justice system in Australia today is no longer a justice system. That what we call the justice system in Australia does not function on the principles of justice. It has become a correctional system. Right? And that's why we're having all of these arguments in Queensland today about how to deal with the bikies. Why Mr Newman says, come on, let's let's make them wear pink jumpsuits. Yeah, they'll hate that. Let's make them do that. And all of of those who are involved in, in the correctional system go, well, how's that going to correct them? How's that going to transform them? You see, and that's why there's there's this dispute. Because the correctional system has as its basic philosophy that all people are basically good and if we can correct them and set them on the right path then they'll be good and useful members of our society. And so our so-called justice system does not seek retribution but correction. Our aim is to, sorry, their aim is to reform the person so that they will not offend again. Their aim is not to punish them but to reform them. Thank <laughs> you. 
But the problem is our society doesn't cry out for people to be reformed. They cry out for justice. Those who have been victims of crime do not cry out for people to be changed or re-educated. Victims of crime cry out for justice and justice means that the perpetrator must be punished. And it is because our God is a God of justice that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross. If our God was not a God of justice, then there would have been some other way. But that wouldn't have been justice. And that's why Jesus Christ had to die on the cross. It says here, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers will be thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's me. I have caused people to sin. Every time I make my wife angry, I've caused her to sin. And that probably happens more often than it should. I have broken many of God's laws. And God's justice demands that I pay for that with my life. The wages of sin are death. But Jesus Christ, the one perfect and sinless man, the only one who has never caused anyone to sin, the only one who has never broken any of God's laws, Jesus Christ carried his cross of crucifixion and said, I'll die for Michael. I will satisfy God's thirst for justice. And that is why the good news is so amazingly good. Agree with God that you are a sinner and a lawbreaker. Accept the fact that without Christ you are destined for the fiery furnace. Repent of your sin. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. Trust in Jesus and follow Jesus and you'll be saved. That is good news. It is fantastic news. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. When you grasp how marvellous the good news really is, There's nothing to compare it to. If you found a giant hidden treasure out in a paddock somewhere, you'd leave it hidden, you'd sell everything that you had and go and buy that paddock so that you could then have that treasure. You'd do that, wouldn't you? Maybe, maybe not. If you were a collector of fine pearls and found the most beautiful pearl on the face of the earth, You'd sell everything you have to get that one because that's what you want and it means more to you than anything else. Well, the good news of Jesus Christ is of such great value. There is a day coming, the day of the Lord, when Christ will return. All sin, all causes of sin, all wickedness is going to be taken out of the world. 
And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Right now, this world is known as really the kingdom of Satan. But when Christ returns, he's going to take everything that is of Satan out and this world is going to be beautiful again. The kingdom of God. I long for that day. I long for its coming. Verse 47, Again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have you understood these things? I don't know if he ever said that before. That's the only time I can think of. When he actually told them these stories, he says, Have you understood it? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. I think if Jesus was giving the message today, he'd say to you now, have you understood these things? Do you understand that hell is not a fairy tale which has been created to scare little children into being good? You know, I was just struck today as Heather told that story about how children accept the truth of God's word just like that. Whereas adults will argue. And God told us that we have to come to him as little children. Not arguing, just accepting that his word is true. So do you understand this? Do you understand that if you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a child of the devil? There's no middle ground. One or the other. So that means that every one of us at some stage was a child of the devil until we gave our lives to Christ and then we become a child of God. Do you understand the human predicament that the justice of God demands that we be punished of our sins? Do you understand that? Now, do you understand the love of God? Do you understand that God loves you so much that He sent his son to die for you in your place. Do you understand that by repenting and believing in Christ and that by being his disciple, you are saved? Do you understand these things? Well, that makes it worthwhile to give up everything to follow Christ. Everything that you have just pales into insignificance to the wonderful good news of the gospel of Christ.